0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: On today's episode of the Ten Twelve Podcast, Iowa State softball senior pitcher Ellie Spallhog joins the show to talk about her final year playing with her sister, and of course, the resurgence of the Cyclone softball program. Then a lot of Big Twelve news to get to: Mexico miking up players during games, a Big Twelve vs. Big Twelve hoops men's tip off at the first week of November. We're to talk about all those things with our good friend Scott Wildcat. Stick around for it all. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network and partners with Sports Drink, the water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I'm your host, Phillip Slavin. Thank you for joining us this week, a fantastic episode we have for you today. Iowa State senior softball pitcher Ellie Spellhog joins the show to talk about her last year. Scott Wildcat, host of Bosco's Boys, is here to talk about a bunch of Big 12 news, Big 12 Mexico, a potential Big 12 versus Big 12 basketball tip-off at the beginning of the season in early November, and access to Big 12 players and coaches during games, potentially micing them up. A lot of Big 12 news this week. I will note this. I read the Dennis Dodd article that came out Wednesday night, and we did originally record a conversation about it. And then when we were done, we saw the conflicting reports from Ross Dellinger of SI and Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic. So I cut it. I just, I cut it. Um, uh, It felt like a big enough story to cover from a realignment standpoint. You know my stance on realignment. If there are conflicting reports, no one has gone on the record. No one's confirmed nothing. So I ain't talking about rumor mill stuff. Just not going to do it. So when some news comes down that is confirmable, or non-deniable, we will talk about it here on the show. We will, I promise. A lot of exciting stuff happened in the NFL draft this past weekend. I do have a NFL guest that we're going to have on to talk about Big 12 players and their landing spots. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that until next week. Fingers crossed you know what happens when I tease guests and the likelihood of them actually being able to come on the show. We'll see if that happens. I've got a lot of thoughts and notes about the draft. Shout out to Iowa State for finally getting a team or a player taken in the first round for the first time in 50 years. I promise I won't make any jokes about the amount of talent that came out of Ames the last two years, despite the final records at the end of the season. I make that dig, little one, but I do have nice things to say about Iowa State because it's Thursday, and on Thursdays we talk about softball. Last week, the Big 12 became the number one RPI conference in NCAA. Division one softball moving past the SEC. And I think not only is that huge for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas potentially all getting top eight seeds to host. Sorry, Baylor, losing the series to Iowa State. You're out of the running for hosting, but you're still going to make the postseason, and that's a big win. But I give a lot of credit for that to Iowa State. Iowa State's late season resurgence has played a big part, I believe, in why the Big 12 has moved up. Obviously, having Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas all in the top 10 in adjusted RPI plays a big part in that. But at one point, Iowa State was 149th in the RPI. 149th. They were by far the lowest team in the current Big 12. At the time of recording this, it's Wednesday night, Iowa State is 73rd in the RPI. Still the lowest ranked in the Big 12. Texas Tech is 66th. Kansas is 56, but Kansas will move up thanks to a Wednesday night win over Wichita State. I fully expect Texas Tech's not going to do anything because their season is over. They've chosen uh, to do nothing with their idle week here, the last week of the regular season. Huge games this weekend, folks. Huge games. But Iowa State has gone all the way from as low as 149th to now 73rd. That's a massive jump. This Iowa State team is playing the way we expected coming into the year. It's too little too late. There's no way they're making the postseason, barring winning the Big 12 tournament. And the way that they're playing, I mean, I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility. I'll give it like a 0.1% chance. But it's still huge that Iowa State is having this resurgence that they're having. It is benefiting the Big 12 as a whole. So thank you to Iowa State, who will close out their regular season this weekend with three games against Kansas. A team I also don't think will be making the postseason. Yes, they're 56 in the RPI. Yes, knocking off Iowa State in three games should move them up some, but at best, the record would be 25 and 24 plus whatever happens in Oklahoma City. They're not making the postseason either. We've talked about this already. There's no reason to rehash that situation. But props to Iowa State going out strong, sending their seniors out in style, getting a big series upset win over Baylor this past weekend, knocking off Drake in the midweek, just keeping this winning streak going. Look out, Kansas. Iowa State's coming to town. They are a dangerous team. Speaking of dangerous teams, Oklahoma softball, ha <laughs> no kidding. Some discussion had, a question was asked of Patty Gasso about Oklahoma hosting a softball game at OU's football stadium. And I think that would be incredible. Look, we've seen the Big Ten Iowa host wrestling matches in a football stadium out there on the gridiron. Heck, we see a wrestling match held at Arlington's Baseball Stadium with Oklahoma State competing. The idea of OU playing a softball game in their football stadium is awesome. It would be a massive event. I think ESPN would be all over covering that. It would be a massive crowd. And if they got somebody to show up for that game, if they booked somebody big, Florida State, Tennessee, Arkansas, any any SEC team, if they did it next year before they moved to the SEC, then you put a team people know, even even general people know. Hell, you put a Bedlam game in there? Goodness, that's a sellout crowd. It's a standing room only. That's the biggest attendance for a college softball game of all time it would be massive i would love to see something like that because the attention it would bring on college softball would be enormous it would be absolutely huge i hope they do it i hope it comes to fruition i do i absolutely hope this happens it would be incredible Shout-out to Sarah Willis of UCF, who pitched the first-ever seven-inning perfect game in UCF history last Friday night. Oh, and she had a complete game shutout on Sunday as well against Houston, UCF sweeping Houston this past weekend. Uh, Sarah Willis was named the D1 National Pitcher of the Week by D1 Softball, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. Huge. Now, there have been perfect games at UCF before, but never a seven-inning perfect game. So, like, a perfect game through five innings because it was a run rule. Seven full innings, perfect game. Absolutely incredible. Just great. That's the second one of a, quote, air quote, Big 12 school. Talked about what happened with Baylor, with Dari Orme, when she was on the show. Congrats to Sarah Willis. That is massive. That is massive. Just just incredible. Uh, Like I said, incredible. This weekend's games are, you have Bedlam. You have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in Stillwater for three games. Yes, OSU is sliding. They dropped a midweek game at UNT. Maybe no more late-season midweek games. I don't know what's going on with Oklahoma State. Is it just the offense? It's the errors? It's the pitching? It's just... This is an Oklahoma State team that's about to go into the postseason where you're going to have to find a way to win 1-0 games and their inability to do so on the road at North Texas. Not ideal. With, with Kelly Maxwell and Lexi Kilfoyle on the mound. I don't know what's going on with OSU. I don't know. Something is off. Gayaski has said that he thinks the team is pressing too much at the plate, but it's not just that. And maybe it's just the midweek games. I don't know. They did well. They did really well in two games against Texas Tech. They they lost. Why? Well, I just I am concerned about the Cowgirls heading into the postseason. I'm very concerned about them facing Oklahoma this weekend. I, coming in a couple of weeks ago, I would have picked OSU to win a game. At this point. I think OU is going to go into the postseason with just one loss on their record at 49-1. and Good grief. Good grief. Then you get Texas and Baylor. Texas hosts Friday. Baylor hosts Saturday and Sunday. They're already sold out. Yes, that series has lost a little bit of its shine because I don't think Baylor has a shot at hosting a regional this year anymore. Like maybe if they sweep Texas and maybe if then they go and win the Big Twelve tournament and maybe some other things fall their way, but right now they're twenty second adjusted RPI, thirty-six and fifteen overall. I just don't see it. I think I think they've fallen too far behind. I think they've accrued too many losses to teams they shouldn't have lost to. And so I don't think they're gonna host. But I think this is a Baylor team that's absolutely dangerous. We've seen what they've done on the road. They're able to knock off OU early in the season, they went on the road and won two games against Tennessee, whatever regional they're sent to, good luck host team. Good luck to you. You're going to need it. And of course, Iowa State and Kansas, a very interesting closeout for those two schools. And then we have the Big 12 tournament next weekend. Excited for it. We'll get a preview for it next week. All right. We've got all of our Big 12 news talk. It's fantastic. Big 12 Mexico. The news we know about it. Big 12 looking at allowing players maybe to get mic'd up during games, coaches to get mic'd up, pre-recording, pre-game, Post game inter- uh, uh, in the locker room, great stuff. And of course, a Big Twelve versus Big Twelve tip off in men's basketball, first week of November. We're going to talk about all that coming up with our good friend Scott Wildcap. But first, Ellie Spellhog is next, senior pitcher for Iowa State. Her last season, she celebrated senior day. We're going to talk about that experience for her, playing with her sister, and so. Much more. She is an incredible guest. I love having the players on. I love having softball players on. I love Big 12 softball. I hope you do as well. The other thing I love is the new sponsor here on the 10 12 podcast. That is Last Stand Hats. If you are a Texas fan, a Texas Tech fan, an Oklahoma State fan, or a TCU fan, They've got something for you, something unique, something vintage, something you're going to love on your head. They've got a whole lot of other things, but my big focus here is hats because I am a hat guy now and I don't look great in them, but I love them. and I love collecting them. I love unique hats. I love unique designs and logos. Go to LastStandHats.com, Use the promo code network12 and get 10% off your order. Go now, go shop check it out. Go look at the hats available to you right now. If you're a hat person like me, they've got some other Texas schools as well. But the ones, of course, that we're focused on, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas Tech. Hey, if you're a fan of another school, the Big 12, let them know you want to, you, you want to be added. Let them know. They'll do their best to try and add you. Let them know. But go check out the selection they have right now at LastStandHats.com. That promo code NETWORK12. N-E-T-W-O-R-K 1-2. 12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K 12, get you 10% off your order. Two great guests, fantastic show. Let's get to it.
0: Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only Tortillas and Takes podcast.
1: From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything
0: that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview And put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people.
1: It's her final year at Iowa State. And she was very important in the circle this past weekend in Iowa State's upset series win over ranked Baylor. Joining us today, Cyclone pitcher Ellie Spellhog. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Obviously, it was a, a big weekend uh, for your team to get that win over Baylor, especially given kind of the state of the season has gone. And like, I know you guys have one more home game, so it's not officially your final game, but it was the final, you know, weekend series at home, conference play. Uh, the the series itself aside, I mean, just what were some of the emotions you were going through this past weekend as, as, as your season com- or your career at Iowa State kind of comes to an end?
2: You know, I kind of came into it thinking I was gonna, you know, be okay. Um, But you know, we got to the banquet Saturday night, we had a team banquet and the girls just, it was amazing. They said some of the greatest things and we kind of recapped our four years here and I was just, I couldn't stop crying. I don't think there's a senior in there that wasn't just crying. So um, especially kind of after that game on Saturday, it was just an emotional day. And then to come back Sunday was just big and huge. And then we had the celebration after. So you know, I I didn't stay as tough through the weekend as I kind of thought I would, but it was a really, really awesome weekend.
1: That's that's awesome. It's always nice to hear people say nice things about you. Yeah. <laughs> uh I mean, again, you had an impressive weekend in the circle. Uh, six full innings against Baylor on Friday to help get that win. Then on Sunday, come in relief, pitch the final 3.1 innings. Don't give up a run to help Iowa State come back, pull off that upset win, get the weekend series win. I mean, how did you compare like playing this weekend compared to normally? Just, and it's not even a better thing. Again, it's just, it's that final weekend series at home in front of the home crowd. Like, did you, did you feel that in the circle or were you able to kind of push that out of your
0: mind?
2: Um, when I'm in the circle, I feel I do a good job of kind of, you know, my third baseman always says just like stay within, stay to you, stay to the game plan. And um, I think, or I hope I do a good job of doing that. Um, and then kind of once it's all over, you just let it all in and see like what we just did. And it was awesome. Um, yeah, but I, I definitely had to push aside the emotions of the senior night and the senior weekend and my family being there and uh, just kind of focus on what we had. We also had to push aside that loss on Saturday and come back and win that game Sunday. Cause it was a big game for us. And then getting that series win at home on senior night, just made it all more special.
1: I don't want to dwell a lot on the season. Um, obviously it's, it's been a tough one for Iowa state and definitely not as did not go as well as, as many of us expected, especially outside the program. But you know, eight and three in the last 11. The season kind of seems to have turned around after a very interesting weekend in Stillwater. Uh, you, the Iowa State softball has adopted West Virginia as their fan base. West Virginia baseball has adopted Iowa State fans. Some crazy stuff involving involving some barstool accounts <laughs> and OSU baseball games. And ever since that Sunday, ever since then, this, this run has kind of started. What is it about, what has kind of led to this turnaround to you in your mind?
2: Um, I mean, the biggest thing we can think of is just the kind of frustration we felt after leaving the Oklahoma State and West Virginia baseball game. I can't say if that was a big turnaround, but just the way we were kind of treated as we walked out, uh, I think just motivated us a lot. And we knew we were going to win that next game. And then it just kind of continued on. And I've kind of, you know, this is the team I know and recognize, not kind of some of the games earlier in the season, but this is how we know how to play softball. And it's kind of coming to light and we get to show all of our new fans, like who we really are as a softball team. So it might've been a little late, but better late than never. I mean, not a bad way to end the season,
1: especially in your, in your final year. I mean, how, how, how fun is it for you or just like, what's your reaction to this whole West Virginia fans are now cheering on Iowa state softball and have adopted you as their program?
2: Uh, One of the funnest things I think for a lot of us after games is once everything's settled down, kind of going on Twitter and seeing, all of our new fans tweeting at us and being so proud of us and people are coming up with some really funny things. You know, I just saw one the other day saying, you know, what about a West Virginia and Cyclone softball scrimmage at the field of dreams? And so that just some stuff people are coming up with is definitely a lot of fun. And, you know, we like to kind of interact with people out on Twitter and um, it's just been a really, really cool thing. And we've definitely brought a lot more fans to Cyclone softball and they supported us whether we're winning or we're losing. And thankfully they've been a part of the winning part of our season. So, so we're
1: going to, West Virginia fans, you get some credit for this turnaround. Maybe we'll a little, little bit. Uh, obviously, uh, you and your sister Carly have been on this uh, team since 2020. Uh, this will be your final season. She's going to stick around and use her COVID year for one more year. But you know, what's it been like to be able to play with your sister in this program for, for all this time?
2: I think there's that sort of like comfort in knowing there's someone like my sister that I can always go to on the bad days and good days. and that's definitely grown since our freshman year. I, there's obviously a lot more people on the team I feel that close connection with. And uh, but getting here, it was a lot less scary. I had already had a year of college under my belt. So I think me being there for her as well and just kind of going through it together was very meaningful. And I'm excited for her to have a year you know, without me to <laughs> experience maybe that. But um, I think it just kind of made this experience mean a whole lot more getting to do it alongside my little sister.
1: Okay, so I have to bring up that year in college you mentioned, for those who don't know, you played basketball for Bradley, if I am correct. Yes, yes. Uh okay. This is a new story for me. So you're gonna explain to me how you went from playing basketball at Bradley to softball at Iowa State.
2: Yeah, so I in high school I was recruited both basketball and softball. Um, I was recruited at bigger schools for softball, but my I just really, really love basketball. I always have. It's just faster paced, a lot of fun, and I I knew I wanted to play basketball, regardless of size, and so I ended up going to a mid-major D1 at Bradley. Um, I loved it. I made a lot of friends. Got to play the sport. I really enjoyed playing. Just um, overall, at the end of the season, wasn't the fit I could tell, and I wanted I wanted to go to a bigger school where there was football and all that fun stuff. And I knew that route was going to be softball, and softball was going to take me there. So. I took that risk and jumped in the transfer portal and I pretty much knew cause my sister was also kind of going through her decision-making process. And I pretty much knew wherever she went, I was going to go. So, um, I was kind of following along with her. And then when I got in the transfer portal and Iowa state reached out to me, um, you know, they took a chance on me and I took a chance coming here, even though I haven't really played softball in a year and it's worked out, I can say so. All right.
1: Uh... We've had Coach Jamie Pinkerton on the show a couple of times, and I am uh, quite fond of him, uh, but I, I would love to know your impression of, of of Coach Pinkerton.
2: Yeah, right away, I just enjoyed the connection I had with him, and that was a big reason I was leaving where I was to come to Iowa State was I wanted to feel like a little bit more connected to my coaches, and right away, Coach Pink was you know, always checking in on me, asking if there was anything I needed, and... Um, and just was, I could tell was excited to have me here. And that was like a really great feeling to feel like, you know, Iowa state wants me here. And, um, and then I got to meet coach court and coach Kate and they've been awesome. Coach Kate is probably my favorite person I've ever worked with in any of my sports. She is one of the absolute best human beings I've ever met much less a coach. And um, yeah, but there's never been a day that coach pink, it's not known that, or that I haven't known that he's there for us, no matter what, if it's, softball related he's written me letters of recommendation helped me get into grad school he's always just been there there's never been a question about that and um, he's a phenomenal coach we've done really great things I mean our second year here went to regionals and that was awesome so yeah just a great coaching staff overall here and I'm pretty lucky to that they took that chance on me you're gonna have a lot of time after the end of the season to kind of
1: decompress and process a lot of stuff about this year and your your time and in Ames but, you know, as you kind of stop and look back and think, what are some of the moments from your career at Iowa State that really kind of stand out to you?
2: Um, Definitely from my first year, we had one of our pitchers was hurt. So we had three pitchers, and we were the youngest bullpen in the nation, all three of us being freshmen that were able to pitch. So that is definitely something I'll always remember. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then – COVID happening, but then coming back and being the best, one of the best teams in Iowa State history with being ranked. And I think those weeks where we were ranked and coming to practice each week, seeing we were ranked again, was just some of those like core memories I'll definitely always remember. And then regionals. And then I think one of my big ones is the first time we beat Oklahoma State last year. That fan base is always fun to, or well, we beat them at home last year and I don't know, just we love playing them. It's a great team to play and they've always been so, such a strong softball team. So I think those games and then the obvious bus rides and late nights and all those things, I think is what I'm going to miss more than the actual game.
1: Well, that kind of answered my next question of what do you think <laughs> you're going to miss the most when, that, when your career here is done? Uh, yeah. yeah, I imagine that the time where you're just together, um, able to just kind of connect and, and spend time together and bond is just, uh, that just seems incredible.
2: Yeah, no doubt. It's starting to kind of dawn on me that, you know, I'm only, I'm going to, I'll be in Kansas City, so I won't be too far from Ames and hopefully I'll make it back a few times to visit, but it's just not ever, it's not going to be the same. I live with, you know, half of us live at the same area. So it's, you know, we're just doors away from each other and it's just, it's not going to be like that, but I'm excited and for the future, but I know I'm definitely going to miss these little moments that we have together outside of softball.
1: Ellie, I really appreciate your time today. You have been an awesome guest. Uh, obviously, you've got a, a midweek game against Drake this week uh, and then three games at Kansas for the Big 12 tournament. Uh, it's been a very, I would say, successful career for you. I think you, you've had a great time, and uh, I really do appreciate you joining the show today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: I'm
0: Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm Podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar Sports Podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs. And every so often, we'll bring on UH Luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic cougar voices and as proud members of the 1012 network we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the big 12 as well if all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you we would love it if you subscribe to the scotland podcast on apple spotify and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears that's podcast spelled p-a-w-d cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dork so thank you and go cougs
1: There is a lot to discuss in and around the Big 12, a ton going on, and as I continue to add to my list of topics to discuss from Mexico to behind-the-scenes access and a Big 12 versus Big 12 non-con event, I cannot do all this by myself. I cannot rant, rave, and just talk alone I need somebody who has uh, strong opinions to help come in and back me up. And I immediately thought, of, oh, well, duh, that would be the host of the Bosco's Boys, the leader of the Boneheads himself, Scott uh, Wildcat. Scott, welcome back, man.
0: Hey, I'm always happy to be on the flagship show, the 1012 Network, my favorite podcast that I listen to every week. And I want to say if there's anyone who is coming to this show just because of me this week, you're doing yourself a disservice uh, you're putting out great content, spanning the entire conference, spanning all the sports. Uh, so if, if folks are just like, Oh, you know, I know him, he's a loud mouth. I'm a K state fan. Make sure you listen to the 10, 12 network multiple times every week, all through the off season, like three or four times during football season. It truly is the best podcast that covers the entire conference.
1: I appreciate that, man. I really do. And uh, I promise I will get you the Venmo money for saying that here in just a minute. Uh, well, like I said, we have a lot to get to. There's a lot of news that's come out this week. Uh, some not officially confirmed, but seeming like it's close. Some confirmed. We're going to get to all of it. Let's start off with Big 12 of Mexico. Uh, it's been kind of a story that's been bubbling for a little while, ever since Brett Yarmart kind of mentioned it very loosely without much detail. Now we have more detail first reported by the Houston Chronicle, also uh, reported by The Athletic. Here's what you need to know. The 12 is nearing a deal to play football and men's basketball games in Mexico beginning as soon as 2024. That is according to sources that have told the Houston Chronicle and The Athletic and others. Uh, the agreement, which is not yet complete, would last for multiple years. Not a one-off kind of thing. Football games would likely take place in Monterey. means basketball games in Mexico City with the potential for more sports in the future. We've heard women's soccer and baseball both mentioned. Specific dates and times are not involved yet. However, if you're a Kansas or Houston fan, go ahead and get your passports updated as those are the two teams mentioned uh, potentially for the Mexico City basketball game according to multiple reports. Uh, Why is the Big 12 interested in doing this? Well, for one... Right, your mark and he likes to do unique things to continue to grow the big 12 brand he has said since he arrived it's about growing the brand growing the brand growing the brand so as long making it younger hipper and cooler the big 12 didn't have much of a brand for the long time, like the SEC and the Big 12s, which is or the Big 10s, which is quite strong. We all know those conferences quite well. I mean, literally, we've had the the comment made that people knew about Kansas, but not that they were in the Big 12. I don't think there's any confusion. Now, you might not know where Rutgers or Maryland are anymore, uh, or Texas A&M, for that matter, but you know the SEC and the Big 10 more than most people know the Big 12. So growing the brand is vital if you want it to be the third strongest brand in college athletics. This is an interesting proposition. Uh, Brett Yormick is apparently intrigued by the international success of various pro sports. College football has, of course, played regular season games in Dublin. Uh, we've seen games in te- uh, in uh, Japan in years past. This would be a larger integration of the Big 12 into Mexican sports market than what we have seen from the Big 10 in regarding going to Ireland. Of course, the Big 12 was- Pitched other crazy ideas like the partnership with Record Park in New York City. We haven't found out if it's going to happen or yet. Uh, Big 12's NFL combine-like thing in Frisco. I mean, Brett Yormark continues to push the bar on what the Big 12 should be trying to continue to grow its brand and reach out to what the players want to hear, what future players want to hear, what the younger audience wants to hear. Scott, I'll give my thoughts here in just a second, but I want you to kind of lead us off here with your thoughts on, let's just start with just playing Big 12 games in Mexico. Not just Big 12 games, because this isn't like sending Stanford and Cal to Australia, though those played Rice and Houston on each other, or Big Ten sending Nebraska and Northwestern to Ireland. This is not the same thing. This isn't the Big 12 likely planning a Week 0 cat catfight between two conference battered beaters against two non-conference opponents who haven't gone to a bowl game in a decade. This is more likely a matchup between two damn good teams and sending them down to Mexico to play a football game as opposed to seeing a beautiful Big 12 home crowd cheering their team on to victory or uh Drowning their sorrows in defeat. So, what are your thoughts on this plan at the stage that we are at now?
0: Yeah, first off, I, I think you're giving the Big Ten a little bit too much credit because that is not a Big Ten game in Ireland. That is a sponsored event because this year it's Notre Dame and Navy, so it, it's one of those kind of like the classics, the ATT, AT and T, whatever, whatever it was called, where K State gave up a home game to play Stanford, you know, last year similar to the Chick-fil-A games, all that type of stuff. Yes, it's a money-driven thing where there's sponsorships, there's payouts, all that type of stuff. So that's not a Big Ten event. Um, but w- when you start talking about Big 12 football games in Monterey, if you start talking about Big 12 basketball games in Mexico City, I think my initial instinct is, oh, wow, you know, I I, I like this idea and, and it's, and it's uh, you know, there's a few aspects to it. The first off, I'm on board with a lot of the younger, hipper, cooler stuff. I, I, I see what Brett Yormark is trying to do. He is trying to do new things. He is trying to make the Big 12 because here's the thing. You're, you're not going to have this idea of, oh, these massive uh, college historic campuses. You know, you're, you're never going to be the Big 10. You know, you're not going to have James Earl Jones doing the, this is Michigan intro at any of the big 12 schools. You know, you're not going to have this, you know, incestual SEC pride that you have down in the South. So I like the idea of saying, Hey, the big 12, we have fun college brands and we're going to do fun things that are unique to our conference. So I like that. I, I understand that there will be a hangup. You know, if you're a, Texas tech fan and they, they tab you for 2024 and say, Hey, we're going to have you guys play uh BYU. We're going to have you guys play uh Oklahoma state. We're going to have you, uh, you know, play Kansas uh, just, Hey, you're losing a home big 12 game to go to Monterey, Mexico. That is going to be a tough pill to swallow for these schools. Now, as was the case when K-State gave up a home game, if you do this uh smart enough, if you if you plan this out far enough, you can hopefully protect maybe a seven-game home schedule or a minimum a six-game home schedule for whoever's losing that game. But I do think you have to make sure that the uh athletic departments are taken care of financially, otherwise you're going to have uh, something that we, we've seen in the past in the Big 12. If you don't have all member institutions pulling in the same direction, uh, it's going to spell disaster. So you can't have any bad actors. You can't have any athletic departments uh, who are not on board. There's not going to be a single football coach who is on board, no matter who is on board with this. If Gene Taylor said, hey, I love this. This is the best idea ever. He helped Brett Yormark come out, out with this idea. Uh, Chris Kleiman is going to absolutely hate it. Um, local businesses are going to hate it. There are going to be a lot of roadblocks, but here's the thing. If you can do that, if you can expand the market, if you can get a little bit of taste for the big 12 down in Mexico, they're putting 70,000 plus uh, in the studio Azteca in Mexico city. Every single year, Monterey is not getting any American football games. Uh, they're, they're doing 20,000 for baseball games. They're getting 20,000 for NBA games down there. And I'm not saying the Big 12 is at the same level of these professional sports, but for basketball, it's the best college basketball product you can have. They want to see more basketball. Hey, it is a damn good football product. Hey, Monterey's never getting anything like this. And I think the the thing that some Big 12 fans aren't realizing This is a step to get international TV rights deals. How many times have you seen on Twitter? Oh, someone's in Cabo uh, doing something. And how how can I get across the VPN to watch my team play? How can I get past all these geo-blocking stuff? Because I can't see my team. I can't see a Big 12 football game when I'm down in Mexico or in other foreign countries. But Mexico is the example here. You play games there. You then get a Mexico TV rights broadcast deal. It's not going to be a $100 million or anything like that. But if it's $14 million, $15 million a year where you, where you get your games on down in Mexico with a TV provider, whether it's ESPN Mexico or, you know, they, they have all sorts of sports channels down there. All of a sudden, that's an extra million bucks that's going to every member institution, plus a little bit of operating costs going up to... Uh, you know, the big 12 offices as well. That's how I see this. If it comes out, hey, we're just playing some games, uh, yeah, the teams that play down there, they get, you know, uh, a million bucks a piece and, and nothing else flows back. Ah, eh, I mean, whatever, fine. But I think that the bigger step is going to be getting an international TV deal in Mexico, uh, where they broadcast on one of their sports channels a game or two every week. Uh, for both sports. And that could see the entire conference getting an extra million or 2 million bucks while doing something fun and unique to the conference.
1: Every idea of your marks doesn't have to be awesome. We don't have to like every idea of your marks and every idea of your marks isn't going to work. I've had pushback from people I've talked to about the big 12 NFL uh, combine that they're going to do down in Frisco and whether that's going to be a good or i got that from an agent. um We've had fans kind of push back on some of the other weird things they've done. And I've seen pushback from this, and I'm okay with that. Because I do hate losing a conference home game. Because so I don't think there's going to be non-conference. We're going to put some non-conference games. These are going to be conference home games. And again, you're not going to send the two teams who finished thir- 12th and 11th, or 13th, 14th, or whatever... Down here for this game, you're going to want to send two teams expected to be good each season down there because you want to grow an interest in Mexico. You want to grow an international fan base. You want what the NBA has in China and what the NFL has been developing over in Europe by putting games in, in London and, and Germany and so on and so forth. Like, and, and it makes sense that you would choose to do so in the country most Centrally or closest to the state with which you are centralizing as your hub, which is the state of Texas. So doing this in Mexico makes a lot of sense. Um, I've seen plenty of, of Big 12 fans already say, like, look, if my team's going to go down there, I'm, I'm going to go and, and, and check it out. Like, I'm going to try this out. And so, like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of money for this. And that might mean you don't get season tickets this year because you want to go to this game. And so, like, I, I understand with a lot of things like this, why... Long-time loyal Big 12 fans don't like it. And this has been the balancing act that your mark is kind of having to teeter here, is the balance between not pissing off and running off all your loyal long-time fans while also building a new audience to bring them in. Because your new audience isn't just going to be the freshman classes who joined Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State, BYU, and UCF. Yes, you're going to add the four new schools fan bases, but you're still limited there. You see the numbers that Big Ten teams, certain Big Ten schools do, that SEC schools do. Those aren't alumni; they're not just SEC fans that are watching. They are finding ways to get more people, eyeballs on their product. So that's the that's what Brett Yormark's goal is, and it's not going to put up those kinds of numbers. And then some of it's going to be incremental, and some of it's going to be look. Some of this might stink for you, fan A or fan B. And I understand if you don't like it. I do. But please understand, this isn't some like get over it. If you are upset by this and the idea that your team might have to go down to Mexico and if it's anything other than just like it's going it's to be hard and I'm not going to get to go and it's not something else about Mexico you want to feel a certain way because you watch too much of a particular couple of news channels 24-7, like I'm fine with that. I don't hate it. I don't know how I feel about it just yet and I kind of feel like I need to see it happen. But again, I think the big point here is growing a fan base in Mexico. This isn't about, get, well, there's not a lot of talent down there. not a lot of football players, Mexico. That's okay. You're not seeing a ton of players from Europe coming and joining the NFL, and yet they still want to grow a fan base out there because it doesn't matter if they play. You just want them to care enough to watch and cheer and buy merchandise and want to come and check out the team. Yeah, there's some Chinese players in the NBA. Yeah. is Is a quarter of the NBA now from China? Nope. Still good to have that giant country having a giant fan base there. So if anyone's talking about, like, well, it's not going to be great for recruiting, who cares? Like That's okay. That's that's not the concern. It is younger, hip, or cooler, expanding the brand, and expanding the fan base. It's worth a try. We'll see how it goes. And that's how I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. If Oklahoma State goes down there one time, I would love to go down to Monterey and give it a shot. If Oklahoma State's in a basketball game down there in Mexico City, I've never been to Mexico. Why not? Sounds fun to me. Drop the kids off with the grandparents. Honey, let's go. Uh, We'll spend one day at the game and three days doing whatever you want. That's fine. Just let me drink some cerveza and have a good time. So uh, this will be an interesting story to see how it develops. Obviously, the Big 12 uh, leaders are in Arizona right now. I expect we'll hear more about this this week. Hell, by the time this episode goes up, by the time I'm editing this episode, there's probably going to be confirmation of what's going to come down because that's what happens all the time. But we will certainly wait and see. Okay, so let's let's pivot let, here. Let me
0: just bit. ask something real quick on that Mexico thing. What what would you have to see like in the official announcement that you would say okay, I'm 100% on board with this and is there anything that when it officially comes out you'd say okay, with these details, I know now 100% I'm not on board. Is there anything that could cuz you said you want to see it to believe it. Is there any detail that could sway you one way or the other before a game's even played?
1: It's how successful is... How how well do you pack the stadium? And how big is the coverage? Is game day down there? Is ESPN blowing this thing out when it's on? Or is is Fox sending... Well, the Fox wouldn't. Is ESPN sending game day down to Mexico? Right? Is this a big deal? Are they treating this like some marquee, super cool event? Or... Did Big 12, ha they played a game down there. No one was there. Like, what is, I, I can't tell you that there's anything that they're going to announce beforehand that's going to convince me this is a perfect idea. Um, I want to see how this goes. What is the experience like from Big 12 fans who go down there? How many people do you get in and around Monterey down in Mexico who are actually like, oh, cool, let's go check this out and are excited to watch it? Is it, does it serve the purpose you want it to serve, which is growing the Big 12 brand? Or is it neat? All right, back over here to this other thing that's a much more important thing because Alabama played Auburn this week and they chose a terrible week to put this game on television. Uh, so, but that I, I need to see the results and the effects before I can tell you if this has been, and that, that really is at this point, it's a little bit of, you're going to keep throwing these crazy things out. I'm fine with that. We need to see the success rate of all these wild things before I'm going to, like, I, I'm all for trying stuff. I am, because I am pro Big 12. This is a pro Big 12 part podcast. Yes, I'm an Oklahoma State fan, but I'm a Big 12 fan. Like, folks, I love West Virginia fans cheering on Iowa State softball and adopting them, and Iowa State fans adopting West Virginia baseball. I love like Baylor softball. I like. I enjoy these wild stories, and I enjoy that we're going to have West Virginia-Cincinnati suddenly as some new, right? Like, I'm, I am all about the Big 12. That is why I do this. I am an advocate for the Big 12, an advocate for the Big 12 to continue to grow and have success and become the third best con- athletic conference in the country. And if this is going to help get them there, then by all means, ship a ga- football game each year to Mexico. Just don't make, sh- just don't send one team every year. Like, mix it up a little bit, okay? Don't be sending no Jacksonville Jaguars. Nobody wants to watch that. And, unless
0: – Honestly, unless a team decides – if. if If if, say Texas tech or Houston, like straight up said, Hey, look, we volunteer one of our games every year. If they decide to do that, I I mean, look, I I know you're trying to move on from it, but that's a big price to pay when you only get six or seven home games a year. But if one of these schools, and I think it would work best for one of the Texas schools, but if one of them decided, fuck it. Oh God. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I know you don't do the explicit. Sorry. They said, forget it. We want to we want to make Monterey, Mexico, uh, you know, part of West Texas or oh, hey, you know, cougar up or whatever they say. It's all it's all West Texas. Yeah, it's a, you know, Monterey. (laughs) It's all West Texas. If one of them decided, hey, we want to do this, then all the power to them. It might be something that pays off. Um, I, I, I'm just interested. I want to see the details, and I, I, I'm right there with you. It probably won't be this football season, but it might be this basketball season. Sounds like it could be, you know, this January, that KU Houston game. So
1: uh, I will leave a nugget on this. You said if a team were to adopt a place, I've had a working theory that if you actually do bring in teams from a conference out west, They should add a neutral site football game in California to help appease the alumni bases that are there and going to be upset that they're going to have to travel more. And one of the teams I might be willing to send as a visiting team on a regular basis would be a team located in Texas with a large alumni base. That would be TCU, which is something I vetted with some TCU alums that I am friends with and have come on this podcast. And they all went, hmm, it's not a bad idea. So I'll leave that nugget
0: there. Later on this summer, you need to bring me on and we we should just pick or maybe I'll bring you on my show. We're just going to pitch different, uh, you know, younger, uh, hipper, cooler ideas. Ooh, uh, I like this. But Because, again, I I, I think I'm going to get to brag on myself uh, for topic three. Uh, but but we can move on. I, I always mo- do let's this. Let's move it up right? to topic
1: Here? two. Let's move it up. It oh, fits with yeah. um, unique ideas in regards to at least Big Twelve basketball. Uh, there was a very interesting interview. Uh, and we pulled a, a very specific quote from it. Uh, this was uh, from Chris. Gardner posted this clip from the Houston Roundball Review. review. Uh, basically he had on Jim Williams, VP of big 12 men's hoops, who basically said the big 12 is having a hard time finding a willing partner for a future conference first conference challenge. Obviously the big 12 sec challenge is coming to an end as the sec is not going to play in the ACC ESPN ESPN obviously used to be ACC big 10 for years. And I hate that's coming to an end because big 10 left, but c'est la vie change is nothing if not constant. Uh, And it sounds like the Big 12 has tried to replace that particular challenge with the SEC. I'm sure they've reached out to (laughs) the Pac-12 and the Big 10 and and are having trouble getting something done. So uh, what Jen Williams said is, quote, what we're looking at is a preseason tip-off where some of our teams that only play each other once in conference will match up. The first week in November is where we're looking right now. So obviously we will no longer have a round robin this year of course with 14 teams and then moving forward with just 12 or however many we have in the future the round robin is gone so there'll be a couple of situations where you will only get to face a team once like in the olden big 12 days as opposed to the round robin that we all know and love and yes i would love to go back to the round robin scott i agree with you wholeheartedly but we're not going to dwell in the past we're going to look to the future so the big 12 is saying look our conference is already so good why don't we just have a Big 12 tip-off, where we pit teams against each other that won't be playing each other twice, so we get another opportunity for some matchups that we would love to see. We do this early in November, when interest in basketball is typically low, but we know the interest in basketball is as high as it is, and try and get something that way, to kind of get the season going. I I, I kind of batted back and forth with this idea, because I wasn't quite sure how it was that I felt. About it, so I reached out to our good friend Brian Ralph. He checked college basketball. We've had on the show many, many times, and his thoughts. and He thinks it's honestly, it's another way to create a conference event and drive more TV fan interest. Obviously, you would rather have a cross conference battle, obviously, but if that's not an option, this is a great second option. It's almost like having a second conference tournament, kind of, right? You you don't have to have everybody's playing multiple games, but the idea that you're going to have all these teams playing each other way back in November. Even if you have to put games during the week to you're not impacting football. The idea that you could develop some Big 12 storylines, some Big 12 chip-on-your-shoulder hurt feelings in the beginning of November that you're going to have to carry through all the way to January when you start conference play, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little tingly at that. Because that, that intrigues me. And look, we love Big 12 basketball. And it is tough and it is brutal. But you're gonna have a few you're gonna have a couple of months to kind of heal up from that that brutal gay Big Twelve battle against your non con whatevers you want to bring to home. I I like this idea. I am I am on board with this, especially doing it as early as they are pitching in the first weekend of November. Scott, what do you think?
0: Yeah, so back when the original uh Gonzaga to the Big Twelve uh smoke started. I had, it started as a Twitter thread and then I turned it into a part of a podcast episode that I did and I had the idea and, and now I, I had it as a 19th conference game versus a non-conference game um, because, you know, I, I want more conference play but I, I had the idea and, and, and I believe this was part of the, uh, you know, the soundbite you're referring to but I had it as another tentpole event uh, where it would be at a neutral site, and this, in full disclosure, it, it is a selfish thing because I want to, I, I want to create other events so the Big Twelve tournament can stay in KC. But I am all for this. This is an idea that I've had in my head ever since we were expanding, and it looked like they were going to stay with just eighteen conference games. I think this would be uh, miraculous. Brett Yormark, uh, I don't think this is his quote, but some of the folks that are in and around the Big 12 has talked about making sure that the Big 12 basketball is what people think the SEC is for football. And, and I think creating this event, I think doing it at a neutral site. He Brett Yormark is obsessed with uh, New York City and Brooklyn. I think that there is a desire by some folks in the conference to do some stuff in Las Vegas, Nevada. I think that this is the perfect event to take the Big 12 basketball out on the road to say, hey, we're trying to get a foothold here, even if we might not have any teams in the area. I think this is the smartest thing of all the younger, hipper, cooler things. And I'm not just saying this because I was very vocal about it. I've been saying this, you know, since uh, February. and And I want to bump all my old tweets and be like, look how smart I am. Uh, but I, I think this would be the perfect thing. And again, I, I think it's a unique event that would get more uh, ESPN coverage. Again, KU plays in the Champions Classic. Baylor sometimes gets to do some of those cool events. Uh, but I, I think if you had a K-State versus West Virginia game where both teams are coming off of a NCAA tournament bid uh, you know, in you know, November of 2024 uh, in the Barclays Center, and then right after that you have Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati. Uh and, and I I think it should be everyone. I and I think if you're doing it as a non-conference game, I think it might be tough to tell teams, "Hey, you have to do this." Um but I would love to see a uh in the 12 team Big 12, I would love to see a three-night event, uh two doubleheaders. Uh you can if if you're saying, "Hey, let's do it up in the New York Metro." Uh you You play two games in uh, Madison Square Garden, two games in the Barclays Center, and two games, you know, either up in New Jersey, like the Prudential Center, or like wherever the New York Islanders play. I don't know. Uh, But you have three nights of Big 12 basketball in the New York Metro, or you do it down in Las Vegas, three nights of basketball in the different arenas that they have down there in Las Vegas. Um, I, I think this is an amazing idea. And hell, Big 12 Mexico three nights in a Mexican resort where you just take over the ballroom and put a basketball gym, you know, in Cabo. I don't know. I I, I just think that this is a smart idea. I think this is a great idea and this is something I I desperately want to see and I'm pumped and I want to see the details of it. Uh, But but I think this is the smartest, younger, hipper cooler thing that Brett Yormark has done.
1: If you want to make it a three night event, put two games in New York, two games, Mexico city, two games in vegas cover all your stuff in one night there's a one night event for each city you've covered all the places you want to have a presence in
0: yeah no I, and, I, and that, you that's could rotate them you play, can but
1: I, I think if you have it set as we will have this way on a regular basis and try and keep teams as regionally as we can so their fans can crank it down there Makes sense to have Texas teams, Oklahoma State down in Texas. Makes sense to have BYU and the Kansas or OSU out in Vegas, or so whoever wants to go out to Vegas. Who wants to go to New York? I know OSU would go to New York in a heartbeat because Boyd loves taking those boys up to Brooklyn because he's a Brooklyn boy. Like I just, I you can, There's a lot of different ways you can do it, but it gives you a unique opportunity. To have the presence in those places you want to be. I love that pitch by you. That's fantastic. I I'm all on board with this. I'm I'm yeah. I'm ready to start going. I'm ready now. Let's do it. Right. Let's
0: just go. Yeah. There, there there there's one other spin on this, and I want to give credit to Tim Fitzgerald of Go Power Cat, uh, because when I had my episode uh, on Bosco's Boys, when I had my Twitter uh, string, which I entitled "How to Save the Big Twelve from Adding Gonzaga." Um, because I don't want to, uh, but that can be, again, that can be our summer conversation because I have a ton of ideas for big 12 basketball. He said that you could do it, uh, down in the Dallas Fort worth Metro the same weekend as you're playing the conference championship game in football. Now that might not get as much, uh, you know, pub. I think there's a way you could own a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in November, or maybe Monday, Tuesday when, I don't know how you'd want to do that, but, uh, you have all the, you have the football game down there and it could be like, all right, Hey, uh, this is right before conference play. Anyways, it it would have to be in December. Uh, But you know, you have multiple arenas. You could be playing these games in in the Dallas Fort worth area combined with that big 12 championship game, just kind of take over the Metroplex uh, for five days down there in the buildup for the uh, big 12 tournament or championship game. Uh, so I think there's a lot of fun, unique, and creative ways you could do it. I'm just pumped that it sounds like a version of it is going to come to fruition.
1: I think if they're going to do the first weekend and or the first week in November, if you want to, if you don't want to just do it all during the week, then stack up a few by or idle weeks for Big Twelve football that weekend. Make it a lighter load. So instead of having Six games that week. You only have three games that week, and half the conference is off. So now you're not having as much competition when you have three football games, and oh, you also have six basketball games, or half of the basketball games on Friday and half ones. There's so many ways to go about this. I can't wait to. I, I hope this comes to fruition. Of everything we're going to talk about, I hope this comes to fruition. I hope this happens. I can't wait to see the details of it. I think this is a great idea. To basically almost start your season. If you can have one other game at the end of October or whatever, but basically start your season by saying, hey, remember who the best conference in college basketball is? It's us. Come watch us week one. Let's go. Okay? Week one. You can watch the Champions Classic next weekend. That's fine. You can watch Duke open up against Fairley Dickinson. That's cool. Or you can watch the Big 12 battle week one. But ring it on. Love it. Okay topic number three not quite as fun i think as the other two but it's still worth discussing this article coming out from russ dellinger the sports illustrated uh, on wednesday as well the big 12 tour exploring a plan with its media partners to modernize the broadcast of its football games including having live in-game interviews more access to locker rooms before and after games and recording live audio of its coaches before the game and beyond during meetings there this week obviously this is coming out because big 12 Leaders are all in the same place, and there's lots of talking going on, so media's there. Uh, During the meetings this week, Big 12 administrators and football coaches discussed the plan at length, according to multiple officials who were part of the discussion. No other details were available, Uh, and there was uh, not much more info beyond that on this particular thing. Um, I will say this. uh, Joseph Duarte tweeted this out. Uh, Houston coach Dana Holgerson quote, it's just going to market our kids and teams more because of cell phones and cameras. Everything I say I know is being heard or recorded. Everything I do is being seen. So you might as well embrace it. Um, I I mean, of the coaches I would want to hear mic'd up, my brain immediately went to Dana Holgerson. And then I went to when Oklahoma State was recording their season and putting it out, like the game each week. And I went back to the Kansas State game. Of the, what was it, 2020 year that they did it. Yeah, and there's the, the clip of the belly of my God, he going, the bands, the bands, the bands. Have.... Like the band was supposed to stop. So the band, he is just freaking out about the bands. And do you know how fun it would be to have that going on? Like having that turned around immediately at like on a timeout or having that going on, like as a hearing that just, oh man. It's just it would be incredible to have some of this stuff. And look, it's it's kind of in line with what the XFL have been doing. We're able to hear, you know, OCDs talking down to quarterbacks, we're able to hear some of the coaches talking, we're able to have more access to those things, and it's it's a fun thing to have. Like it is a fun experience. It makes those go at games more interesting, especially for games that like the XFL. They're not as you know, they're not of the of the level of quality of the NFL but it does add a level of interest and intrigue and, and, and excitement to something. And we are all about access. And that is something that college athletics is real good about not actually giving us. And so to get more access, to have these kinds of things, I love. I've seen some concerns and complaints about, you know, stuff in the locker rooms before and after, like, lose the them shower first. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure since these are a lot of them young, kid, young men, Like, we're going to make sure that they're not just walking around. Like, calm yourselves, you freaking weirdos. Like, I love the coach idea. I love the idea of in-game interviews. I think those would be great. I would love, like, a a, a distraction for a player to have it. Maybe. Or it would be really cool to talk to a defensive player while the offense is on the field about what just happened on a big stop. Right? It would be cool to hear from the offensive coordinator about some big play and maybe a little nugget about it. We get some of that from the sideline reporter. But I like the idea of having more than just what we get. I'm, I'm all for it. I don't care about the, the locker room stuff as much. Like That's fine. But I do think in the NIL era, more access to the players, more access for the players is a good thing. Are there going to be downsides? Are there going to be players who say stuff they shouldn't? Are there going to be coaches who say stuff they shouldn't? Of course. That's just how life works. Um, It does put more pressure on coaches. To quote Mad Men, that's what the money's for. But the idea is good. I like the concept. I like the, the fun that we could have with this.
0: Yeah, of all the things that we're talking about today, this is the one that doesn't move the needle a ton for me. Um, just full disclosure, I actually, you know, uh, K-State played, what, 14 games last year. I think I went to nine or ten of them. So I actually don't watch as much uh, college football on TV as as I'd like. You know, uh, I, I don't tailgate a bunch. I, I, I stop uh, in Topeka, watch as much uh, college football with my dad before we head off to the K-State game, walk into the stadium about an hour before uh, but this one doesn't like move the needle. I'm not nearly as excited for it as you are. Uh, I think it will create some viral moments, which is good for the Big 12. And I, I think uh, something that your mark's doing in the 80s and university presidents are on board with it. Um, do whatever you know makes your TV partners happy. Um, you know, I, I, I think going kind of uh, above and beyond. We, we saw it with the Big 12 tournament. Um, And and I think probably the beat writers aren't going to love this um, because, you know, the TV folks are getting more access, getting more stuff than they ever did. You know, uh, the beat writers, they had to go up to the hockey press box above, uh, you know, the rafters up at the Big 12 tournament. Uh, They didn't love that while ESPN got more access. They did more in-game interviews. It really resembled more of the TV broadcast for the NCAA tournament with how much they had going on in-game. I think it's fine, but I I think the biggest thing is with with this is, hey, TV partners, we will give you all the access you want. We're willing to do uh, the things that uh, the other conferences won't. You know, it's the... uh, the meme of the pick me boy or the pick me girl, you know, Hey, you know, we're not like those others. We, we will, you know, you, you want to, you know, go off roading. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're the one to pick, you know, c- come do whatever you want with our conference. Uh This is getting a little weird than I wanted it to. Yeah. You've gone um, down a road, but, but yes, I, I should just stopped. I should just stopped and said, Hey, look, uh th- they're willing to give more access to the TV companies and th- they're willing to be a, willing partner for any changes or experimentation with the TV broadcast. I'm going to stop before I say anything else too stupid. On, on that
1: on that note, um, shout out to Zach Barnett, of football scoop, who just put out uh, kind of an updated bit of information about this particular story. Uh, he says the plan is to begin some of all these ideas this season. ESPN and Fox pitched the idea to Big 12 athletic directors and coaches during the league spring meetings in Phoenix this week. "Quote: It's not coming. It's now." A Big 12 coach told 247 Sports. The conference's TV partners, ESPN and Fox, also want to record pre- and post-game footage from within the locker room, so this would be recorded, not necessarily live, uh, and are open to the idea of miking up players and coaches for audio to play during the game. I do like when you watch NFL and they'll have like some clips that they've cut from one of the players, like during warm-up and during when he's on the sideline, he's getting every jack. Like those are fun little moments and again a lot of the obviously this isn't a your mark idea as much as it is a an espn and fox idea and if you're the big 12 like what if you can get an extra if you can give me an extra 100 bucks to school let's go no fine we'll do it anyways because at this point you want to ingratiate yourself because the you are going to be wanting to pony up with them even more and have them do a lot of things you like like buy basketball separately when your deal comes up this next time around so I love this. I am fine with the Big 12 experiment. The Big 12 was the first conference to bring back a conference championship game that was going to have a repeat when everyone said it was a stupid idea. And now, what is everyone else doing? Doing away with divisions and putting the two best teams in the conference championship game. We got dog for the... I can't believe that this is so stupid. They're going to knock themselves... Hey, that's a good idea. Let's give it a shot. I am fine. The Big 12 has been, for the longest time, the conference where... The Big 12 develops some ideas, brings in some new stuff. Develops offense, everybody steals the offense. And now the Big 12 has developed, well, the offenses are not any good anymore. No, you numbskulls. They're just developing the defenses to stop those offenses. And now everyone's going to go steal those ideas. And so the Big 12 is going to renovate again because the Big 12 remains the conference. It's not going to have the most talent on the rosters. It's not going to have the biggest budgets. But what they are going to continue to do is be the conference of innovation. And now you have a conference commissioner of innovation who aligns with what you have been as far as a football conference for a very long time. I'm I'm good with this. Like I don't think it's going to be a massive thing, or it's going to be a huge, but again, it's it's not going to be one massive thing. People are like when when your Mark pitched out whatever his first idea was, it was like, "Well, that's not going to move the needle enough." No. But one grain of sand doesn't do much. But if you turn over an hourglass and give it enough time, all those grains of sand start to fill up, fill up, fill up, fill up and get higher and higher and higher. And so lots of little things that you try and I know Big Twelve Mexico sounds like a big thing, and it's kind of a big thing, but it's it's not like you're moving the whole conference there. You're just gonna play a football game there. Play one basketball game. They might play a baseball game, they might play a soccer game there. You're just gonna try little things here and there and see how much of these pieces of sand stay in the pile and how much bigger the pile, aka the brand of the Big Twelve, can grow. So I'm for trying new things. I'm good for this. I think it's an interesting one to try another thing that should interesting to try of course is home Apparel. apparel you haven't tried it yet what are you doing i don't understand like i don't understand the concept of not having shopped at home full apparel not having bought any of their incredibly comfortable vintage college sports apparel that they have available for every current and future soon to be not even future very very soon to be big 12 school basically at this point big 12 school because i only have left baseball softball a bit of tennis and men's and women's golf there's another sport I missed, I'm real sorry. It's a hard thing to keep track of all of it. I'm doing my best. Uh, every current Big 12 school, more than 100 and I think, did he say 160? We're, I think we're plus 150 at this point. I know we're over 100. We've been over 100 for a minute. They just launched new Cincinnati and West Virginia. They're both incredible. Like they've really been able to dig in and get, some, get these schools to like, no, no, no. Let us have at least one gem piece to add to each of these collections oh by the way we're gonna have joggers and, and quarter zips as well if you're not uh, good yeah. enough my k-state hat which i should have been wearing for the show tonight I thought you can see it because i'm not posting this particular clip to youtube but audio only my youtube my k-state dad hat is good it's very nice uh, vintage cocaine willie on a, on a white dad hat i like it very very much go to homefieldapparel.com Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first order. Go and support the Helmfield Apparel. Supporting them, shopping there, supports us, helps us. We would appreciate it. You would appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. It's good stuff. I love wearing it. My collection is beginning to get a bit um, robust. Robust.
0: Do you want to know the official uh, K-State, what, what, what the uh, K-State Athletics branding folks call the Cocaine uh, Willie logo? What? The Shaggy Cat. It's a miss. <laughs> I it's mean, miss I agree. It. I I, 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 uh, I know one of the people on there. I was like, just just go all in and call it the Cocaine Cat or the Cocaine Willie.
1: Like, I get it. You know, we can't support drug use. And I understand that. Like, you shouldn't. Drugs are bad. But, uh, come on, come on, Scott, uh, you have been awesome as always. I have some Kansas state football thoughts, but, uh, we, we're going to save those for another time because we have now hit max capacity and all the topics I think we had to get to. Scott, you are a pleasure as always. I appreciate your thoughts, uh, your brevity and, uh, your bluntness. Uh, do me a favor, everybody go listen to Bosco's boys. Just go do it. I don't care if you're a Kansas state fan or not. It doesn't matter. Like, we have a number of shows in the network, don't ask me how many, because the numbers fluctuated quite a bit over the last two months, so I've lost track and I'm I'm too tired to remember. So I do know that Bosco's Boys is our Kansas State show. And I know that Bosco's Boys is a damn good show, whether you're a Kansas State fan or not, because Scott's got good points on a lot of things that surround the Big Twelve, as you have just heard. So go check out Bosco's Boys, it's available everywhere that you can find podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this, you're probably gonna find Bosco's Boys there. And if you don't, they're on Twitter. DM and be like, dude, your show's not here. I've been trying to find it on my particular form of listening on the, the Groovy podcast app. And they know Bosco's Boys. on. I don't know if that's an app or not. I just, there's a thousand freaking pot- partners. I was like, how come you're not on this new one? It's like, well, I didn't know it existed. And it didn't automatically populate there. But I'm happy to put it on there. Just let me know. So go listen to Bosco's Boys. Uh, Scott, as a, is a pleasure as always, man.
0: Yeah. I enjoyed it. Sorry that you're probably going to have to do a little bit more editing than you usually I, do. I'm just not going to.
1: I just, I'm not going to. It's just, I, you know what? It's not the that, first time. It won't be the last. And so every once in a while, it just slips through.
0: Well, a lot, I used to I, have I a, a
1: chicken it. cluck sound to cover over <laughs> it, but I'm not going to go find the pukka. I just don't want to.
0: Well, I, I mean, you've listened to our show. We, we, we let it fly a little less now. Uh, you know, my former co-host Grant, he, he was a little bit more uh, free with the uh, F-bombs, but, uh, you know, it still happens. But I appreciate I always love coming on. Anytime you need me, uh, let me know. And if, if anyone out there wants to banter on Twitter, uh, I don't know how to not. So, uh, you know, yeah. at Scott Wildcat, at Bosco's Boys. It's a blessing and a curse.
2: Podcast Network.